y'all. My name is John Devine, and I am the host of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast, the show that educates on the three most important pillars of becoming a strong individual, our health, our wealth, and our authentic expression of self. Before we get started, I would like to personally thank you, yes, you, for investing your time with me today. And I ask that if you do find value in today's episode, that you do us both a favor and subscribe. All right, let's jump into it, y'all. Yo, what up, y'all? It's your boy, John Devine, and I'm here to welcome you back to another Healthy Wealthy Wednesday. And man, am I excited to bring you today's content because we got into it, y'all. Man, we talked about some of the most hotly debated, controversial subjects in the nutrition space, which is food allergies and gut health. So if you are eating a typical American diet, be prepared to be offended. <laughs> I'm not kidding, y'all. It's it's shocking, okay? I get into this information with none other than my very good friend, Dr. Mackenzie Vetter of the Wellness Way Flathead Valley. Let me tell you a little bit about Mackenzie. She graduated cum laude, <laughs> stud, from Boise State in 2017 with a Bachelor's of Science in Kinesiology and Exercise Science. She went on to complete her doctorate of chiropractic medicine with honors at Western State University in Portland in 2020, after which she and her husband, Nathan, moved to our beautiful Flathead Valley to start her career at the Wellness Way as a gone-stead chiropractor. Let me tell you a little bit about how Mackenzie views her practice. She doesn't just focus on the musculoskeletal system. She utilizes a variety of tools and tests in her office to properly assess how the entire body functions, which is how nutrition comes into play. She loves to work with her community to bring a different perspective on healing and helping people take control of their health so that they can live their life to the fullest. So without further ado, my dear friend, Mackenzie Vetter. Hi. Hey. <laughs> so what we are diving into today is food allergies and gut health. So last time we talked about the basics of nutrition, right? Drink water, eat good food that breaks down into quality proteins, fats, and carbs. I told you guys that we would do a deeper dive into micronutrients, and we'll still get to that. But what we're going to dive into today is with those carbs, fats, and proteins what to steer towards and what to steer away from so that you're avoiding inflammation from these food allergies and making sure that you have good gut health because good gut health is arguably the most important thing about our bodies. It's our quote unquote second brain, second most um, concentrated area of nerve endings. It's where all of our food is digested, all of our uh, nutrients are absorbed. And so the problem in this country is we have terrible gut health because we have terrible food going in. So I thought, who better to bring in than a pro on food allergies and gut health? So what do you want to start with, Mackenzie? 
So with that, I really like how you talked about with those macronutrients, those it's really focusing on what your body's made of. So like you said, John, your body's made of majority of proteins, fats, vitamins and minerals and carbs. So I always tell people, eat what your body's made of. And so we can dive into kind of like what you talked about. We can, there's certain foods we can steer clear of that are more on the inflammatory side. And I feel like a lot of us know or hear about inflammation. I feel like that's the hot topic within our healthcare community. But I really feel like that's as far as it goes. I feel like at least I've heard with people that they've been told they have these different inflammatory conditions, anything that ends with itis, right? You have gastritis, thyroiditis, arthritis, anything that ends with itis is an inflammatory condition. But then that's kind of the end of it. They're not told why they have these inflammatory conditions. And that's a big part that I love to focus on is how can we remove these inflammatory triggers and foods essential? Because sadly, within our country, we do have a lot of inflammatory foods. I really call these foods seemingly healthy, unhealthy choices because they're quite deceiving within our grocery stores where they are great. Our food industries are great at marketing these foods that are healthy for us. But really, you're causing more inflammatory stress on your body than good. So I would say the biggest foods to really focus on avoiding, and I feel like a lot of people aren't going to like me for me saying this, but the main ones I tell people, kind of just the general umbrella, is avoiding gluten products, cow's milk products, processed sugars, and soy products. So everything in the American diet. Yep. And <laughs> we basically call it the sad diet. It's our standard American diet. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons for that because these foods have inflammatory proteins within them and we can argue that yes there's nutrients in those foods but overall there's certain proteins that are creating an inflammatory response which is ultimately going to put more harm on your body short term and long term than any of the benefits that those nutrients can provide at that time and really it's with those certain proteins you can also call them more on the molecular mimicry side because like gluten can actually mimic some of our cells within our bodies, like our thyroid cells. So it can actually be a contributor to autoimmune. I will never say it's the end all connection, but it can be a major contributor. It can ultimately create more of an inflammatory response. So especially with my autoimmune patients, that's a huge focus that we're on is avoiding those gluten foods because of those certain proteins in those gluten products and what we're really talking about here um that is outrageous um but you guys know even with my uh insurance that i sell we do a lot of preventative stuff that other insurance companies don't do and what drives me nuts is you know you'll be eating these inflammatory foods and i'm sure the majority of actual doctors know that these are inflammatory foods but what's going to happen is because of the medical and insurance systems you're going to go in with inflammation itis disease uh and instead of a doctor going hey let's cut out these things a doctor is then going to prescribe you something to mask the inflammation and you're still going to keep putting in the foods that are causing the inflammation so uh, it's like it's a band-aid <laughs> it's like throwing using a flamethrower and a fire hose at the same time that's mm -hmm insanity so yeah i mean we're just gonna get right into it and slap these hot topics of the don't foods um and we'll go from there so cow's milk you said what is the big deal with cow's milk why is it such a 
inflammatory food. So similar to gluten, and so with gluten, there's different proteins in gluten, which if people don't know what gluten is, it's the glue with more grain products. So like your breads, it holds those nutrients together. And so with cow's milk, then there's different proteins called casein and whey. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've heard a lot of those. Now, they are more inflammatory proteins. So those proteins can trigger an immune response. And there's actually more layers with it when it comes to casein and whey. There's actually, I call them more like subtypes when it comes to casein and whey. There is different casein proteins and there's different whey proteins that can actually be more inflammatory than others. And cow's milk just tends to have more of those inflammatory proteins. And then we talk about just the mass production when it comes to cow's milk, that now we have the potential of what are those cows actually eating? Are they being fed grains? Are they grass-fed? Are they grass-finished? But then are they being pumped full of antibiotic and hormones? Those are things we are still consuming. And again, that is more on the triggering side for your immune system. Yeah, I recently uh, just cut whey. I haven't cut um, cow's milk, but like whey protein for my fitness junkies out there for my crossfitters my bodybuilders all that stuff that are drinking you know i was drinking on average two whey protein shakes a day one in the morning um because i'm not a big eater in the morning i keep it light for a couple of hours um and then obviously a post-workout shake um and i recently cut whey protein and added in uh something called steak shake which is derived from organ meats um and already i think i've been on this for about three weeks now um my level of congestion has dramatically went down um and yet i still drink some milk and eat some yogurt but obviously now i'm gonna be a little bit obsessed with trying to do my best to cut those out um so for people who are using protein shakes who are using i mean whey is hands down the most popular form of protein to drink in the gym period what kind of alternatives for people that are drinking whey protein shakes, coffee, stuff like that, where I had a latte this morning, right? What alternatives do you suggest? Because, I mean, I got I got to say, what, 80%? I, <laughs> this is so funny to me that we're talking about food allergies. One of the biggest food allergies that I know of is milk, right? Mm-hmm. People are lactose intolerant, which is basically the sugars in milk. But I got friends that they're like, it's not worth it, bro. And they will literally shit their pants to have a cheese pizza or to have a... So what alternatives do you suggest for milk and whey? There's a lot of different products out there, which is really the start. And I feel like it's the most overwhelming, like you were saying. I mean, we're so used to these more common products. Finding those alternatives can be difficult. There are a lot, though, out there. So in terms of protein powders, I really recommend more of those alternatives. So there's like pea protein. There's rice protein. There's that steak protein you have. There's one that I use, which is a bone broth protein powder. So I use the company I love is Ancient Nutrition. So not only are you getting protein from it, but you're also getting collagen. And that is huge because a lot of times when we just focus on protein, protein is more going to help with muscle production, muscle 
strength and support, but we're missing our joints. We need that collagen for our ligaments, our tendons, the joint itself, but then also collagen is great for actual gut health because it's great at helping repair that gut lining that we're going to be talking about in overall gut health. So I love the one from H Nutrition because you're getting protein and now you're getting collagen as well. So there are different ones out there. And then when it comes to like creamers, that seems to be the biggest one with people. There are different milk alternatives. Almond milk, um, milkademia is a great um, milk alternative is made from academia nuts. It's on the more sweeter side. So if you like to have more of that sweeter consistency, like what milk creamers are, almond milk, milkademia is great. Oat milk's also on the sweeter side. And it's a little bit thicker, too, so you get some more of that, like, creamier consistency, too. So there are some great options with that. Cheese is a huge one. That one and ice cream seem to be the biggest ones. Um, I don't hear a lot of people drink milk, but if they do, it's those milk alternatives. Coconut milk, almond milk, milkademia. But then in terms of cheese... I recommend people, especially in the beginning of someone's healing journey, is more on like the goat and sheep cheese. Now, they still have similar proteins as cow milk, but they just don't have as many of those inflammatory proteins as cow milk does. So one of my favorite cheeses is actually sheep cheese, and you can get a huge block at Costco. And I always say it wrong, so if anyone listens and they're like, well, she said it wrong, I think it's Manchego. Okay. Yeah. And that one is absolutely amazing and truly tastes, tastes like cheese. Like, I'm not a big fan of goat cheese. I feel like it's a very acquired taste, mm -hmm. but that's also a great alternative, too. So there's different cheeses. Ice cream. There's so many different ice creams now. There's cashew-based, almond-based, coconut-based. You still have a variety of options. You just might have to do a little bit more digging to find them. But they're out there. And especially within this valley, my two favorite grocery stores is actually Costco and Super One. Super One has a wide variety of alternative foods. And they have a whole section. You go and it's their whole more organic section. And there's so many different alternatives you can find. Really? Super One over like natural grocers or withies or any of those? You can go there too, but... Big thing I hear, too, is more of the cost side. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's more on the expensive side. Yep. Honestly, Super One's great prices, and there's a lot of different alternatives. Now, yes, with these natural grocers, they're going to be all great options, but also, too, on that more cost analysis side, I really like Super One. Yep, I feel you. Two things that you said in there that uh, um, I want to bring light to is, first, you said taste, right? And this is the biggest thing with people. Um, you've acquired... A taste right like if I bring somebody who was raised in India over here and I have them taste our foods that we love that it's gonna be wildly different for them they're gonna be like what the even the cheeses right they're gonna use more of those goat cheeses we're gonna use more of the cow cheeses um, you cannot base your health on taste buds right you this is just something you grew up with it's gonna take a minute to change and to get your taste buds to go oh, okay this is good it's gonna take you a while you've been drinking milk if you're 30 and you've been having lattes since you were 15 right you got 15 years worth of tasting that same taste flavor it's gonna be shocking when you make this the switch and then the second thing is where you're putting your money right like our biggest voice in this country is our money right if you're going to be buying these products you're i don't vote most people know that i vote with money right that's a way more powerful vote than putting it in a ballot right where i put my cash and where i tell people to put their cash is what's going to fund whatever 
we're putting it towards, right? If you want something to decrease or die or go away, you got to cut off its life supply, which is money, right? So whether it's trying to um, stay in line with affordability or whether you're literally a quote unquote activist, your money and where you spend it is, is the number one way that I think you can actually have a voice in this country. So guys, just stop being a bitch about it doesn't taste good. Like <laughs> who cares? <laughs> That's so true. It's the emotional piece. I mean, food shouldn't be emotional, but it's one of our biggest coping mechanisms. Yeah. Food is fuel. It is there to allow your body to function the way it's designed to. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that mind shift. And it takes time. I mean, all of this, this isn't a cut cold turkey. I mean, if you have that personality, awesome. But so many people, it, it needs to be a step-by-step process. And it can be. It's taking one food and finding a different alternative one step at a time. And that's what's going to set you up for success and truly create a healthy habit. Habits take time. Mm-hmm. So it's a it is truly a journey. Health is a journey. And it's a lot of commitment and discipline. And with you saying that with the emotions, I think the big thing that you guys need to focus on is people try to remove something or pull something out or whatever, and then there's nothing to take the void of that place, right? So if you know that you're a stress eater or a depression eater or whatever, you take that uh, pint of Ben and Jerry's every night, and then you go, oh, okay, I listened to this or, you know, I'm trying to make this life change. I'm just going to pull that out. Your body has a habit ritual where it wants to eat that thing, right? So you got to have something to replace that, right? A lot of smokers, it really is part of it for them is the oral fixation, right? Like having that thing in their mouth that they get to play with. So I know smokers that replace a cigarette with toothpicks, right? So they have that thing to play with in their mouth because that's part of their addiction, So find something to replace. Don't just try and pull something out because then you're going to snub yourself and your time is limited. Like I said in the previous episode, if you just like, oh, that's not going to be there, the more stressed you get, trust me, you are using food as a crutch. So if you think that pulling it out isn't going to add to your stress because you were using that as a dopamine release, so now, not only were you using that as the crutch, now you've removed the crutch, the pain, the stress, the whatever is still there, and now you don't have your crutch. You've got to fucking replace the food. You can't just pull it out, right? 100%. So that's milk. Gluten we touched on a little bit, and I feel like this is going to be the hottest topic because it's in everything. literally everything. And the funniest part is, I, I don't know if it was Italians, my people, Somebody somewhere was like, oh, dude, gluten with dairy? <laughs> Game over. Let's go. Cheese pizza? What? So with gluten, we talked a little bit about the fact that it's the glue that holds everything together, um, the lining of the gut. What do you see that is the biggest trigger for people with gluten and how can they dance around gluten? Because, I mean... People are eating bagels or donuts for breakfast and then a sandwich for lunch and then, you know, some garlic bread with their pasta for dinner. How it's in goddamn everything. How can they start pulling gluten out? Because that's the one that I'm looking at where I'm like, oh, shit, man, that one's going to be so hard. (laughs) That one's by far the hardest one because you're right. It's in everything. It's also in like beauty products, too. I mean, it is it's insane what they put gluten in. And gluten from bread is in beauty products. Yeah, because again, it's a glue, so it's a it's a binder. 
So they'll use it in beauty products. So that's a huge one, like shampoos, your soaps. Like be mindful of the ingredients because gluten can be in there. So then you're absorb. Even if you were on a gluten-free diet, you're absorbing it through your skin. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. So starting just with the foods, there's, as I mentioned, there's different proteins in gluten, but one of the biggest ones is gliadin. And so gliadin is a specific protein that can trigger an inflammatory response. So when it comes to avoiding gluten products, a lot of the time people ask, okay, what is in gluten? So just kind of general with foods, it's grains. So it's like you were saying, it's a lot of the breads. And so with breads, take it a step at a time again, if you have bagels, breads, um, tortillas, start with one. Um, you can find, again, Costco, Natural Grocer, Super One, they all have great gluten-free options. But even with gluten-free options, I always tell people, read the ingredients because a lot of times gluten-free ingredients can have other st stressing foods in it. So whether it's like added sugars, different preservatives, be mindful what other ingredients they have in it because it can also just put more stress on your body not just the fact that you take the gluten out. So always tell people, read the ingredients, but there's a lot of different types of breads. So the bread company that I actually love is a company out in Florida, and it's called Sammy's Bakery. So you can order it online or in my office, I actually sell it because you can order it in a bulk order and it just helps the shipping because there's no preservatives, there's no chicken eggs, which is actually another really common food allergy, there's no dairy, yeah, we're going to dive into that one too. Then there's no preservatives and there's no gluten. And it's one of the cleanest bread products I have seen and it actually tastes good. There are gluten-free products that I have a lot of people are like, nope, this tastes like cardboard. And I do agree. Yeah. Some of them are not great. This one is so good. And there's pizza crust. There's breadcrumbs. There's um, bread rolls, bagels, bread. It, there's cookies from this. I mean, this company is one of my favorite companies. And it is a great alternative. So I have patients that buy like 10 loaves of bread for the month. Like they'll do monthly orders. That's what we do in our office. And so they just stock up. That's a great option. Uh, tortillas is a really big one. One of my favorite companies is Siete Tortillas. That's at a majority of the grocery stores within the Flathead Valley. That's made from either chickpeas, almonds, or just coconut um, or cassava flour. And they're simple. Something I also tell people when they look at ingredients, the least amount of ingredients, the better. Yep. So with like Siete tortillas, it's three ingredients. The one I use is cassava flour, coconut oil, and sea salt. That is it. And they taste good and they actually hold your tortilla together. That's another comment I hear is, oh, these gluten-free tortillas don't fall apart. Yep, exactly. The Siete tortillas do a better job. Um, then you can go into, there's different cereals. One of my favorite one is Catalina cereal. That's at most grocery stores in the Flathead Valley. That has, it's from cassava flour, but also there's different fibers in it. So that's something we're going to talk about too when it comes to gut health. So there's great amounts of fiber in it. So you're actually getting more benefit instead of just all the sugary cereals we see within our grocery stores. So those what I'd say kind of are the big ones when it comes to foods and gluten Free products. Yeah. Uh, one of the things to touch on in there, and I used to, this used to be one of the topics that I really, really, really pushed when I was trying to educate my uh, clients back in my personal training days on food. Um, obviously, the more simple you can make the information for people, the easier it is for them to, to digest it. And what's interesting, the easier, the simpler you can make the information, the easier it is for them to mentally digest it. 
the simpler the ingredients, the easier it is for your body to digest it. And so what I always told people is you have to think of your body like a factory, right? And what is a factory's job usually? To break something down or put something together. In this case, we're going to talk about breaking something down. Most of the factories that we have that are producing these mass-produced foods, what they're doing is breaking down the food. They're tearing it down. They're stripping it of all its nutrients, this, that, the other, and then they're pumping in all these other different things, and now are making a really a new product. It's no longer the original grain. It's no longer the – that was your fucking body's job. Your body's job was to take that nutrient and break it down and rip the nutrients out of it and feed you. You now took it to some company that pulverized everything down, stripped it of all the nutrients, bleached it, enriched it, pumped hyd uh, hydrogenated oils in it, and then gave it to you, and you think you're eating a grain. Not any fucking more you're not, mm -hmm. right? So, like, the simpler with the ingredients, the better. If you see 42 different ingredients in this thing, like, if you can't read it, pronounce it, like, it's probably not awesome for you mm -hmm. and then since i said hydrogenated oils that's part of what's going into a lot of the gluten products right mm -hmm. yeah so staying away from gluten products should keep you away from hydrogenated oils or is there going to be a lot of gluten-free products that also have hydrogenated oils there can still be gluten-free products that have hydrogenated oils honestly there's we talk about how gluten's and everything sadly hydrogenated oils aren't everything so your sunflower oil your safflower oil your canola oil those vegetable oils if you look up the worst foods for us it's actually hydrogenated oils is number one and then under that is sugars and it's these hydrogenated oils that people use for cooking or for frying yep. um majority of our processed foods which tend to have gluten in it will have those hydrogenated oils but there's a lot of other products too that can have hydrogenated oils so I always tell people, again, same thing with the gluten-free products, read those ingredients. If you see those hydrogenated oils within the beginning of it or throughout it, put it back because your body does not know how to break that down. That is in a lab that is being made. And like you were talking about, like a factory, your body has specific enzymes that know how to break down specific foods. You add a chemical to that food, your body will not know how to break that down. That is what will trigger an immune response because the whole purpose of your immune system is to get rid of things that don't belong. So if there's something that doesn't know, your body doesn't know what that is, it's not gonna know how to break it down. Now we've just triggered that immune response. Yeah, uh, <laughs> super, super overwhelming information, guys, I know. But what's crazy about our culture is we've gotten so lost in flavor over function, right? Like, you know what tastes really goddamn good is if you take something like, let's say, chicken breast, which should be good, we would think, and then you pat it down in flour and breadcrumbs, and then you fry it in a hydrogenated oil. It tastes so fucking good. <laughs> so now so we're in flavor, and we've completely lost function, mm -hmm. right? And so that, I think, is the problem with our food industry is we're just so obsessed with flavor and emotion that we've gotten so far away from function and that's what I'm hoping we can slowly but surely start to help people educate away from is we're trying to get towards function here, right? Get you functioning properly. Dude, if you could lose the brain fog, if you could lose the inflammation, if you could lose the daily pain, 
what fucking life could you be living right now, right? How much more clarity could you have with your family? How much more fun could you have on the weekend because you don't have pain, right? And you probably think we're assholes and think that, like, your pain isn't coming from these foods. Where the fuck do you think it's coming from? <laughs> You're eating all day. <laughs> you are what you eat. Right? Yeah. Like, it's madness. So you said number one on the list was hydrogenated oils. Mm-hmm crazy because we just talked about dairy and gluten number two processed sugars mm-hmm. right now this one for me dude like you guys all know that john does drugs quote unquote what's bullshit about all this about food about drug the fda they are the ones that got to qualify what is a food and what is a drug and they're saying that drugs are you know, weed and mushrooms and these other things, but they're saying sugar is food. Sugar's a goddamn drug. <laughs> that That's what I have to say about sugar. But let's talk about sugar when it comes to the actual inflammatory process um, and the fact that processed sugars, uh, is there anything that doesn't have processed sugar in it that's not a animal? Whole foods. I mean, yeah. There are there are some great sugar alternatives too that are in again more of these healthy alternative foods. Um, it's again taking some time reading those ingredients, but when it comes to sugar, I mean you nailed it. I mean it is truly an addiction. I mean the dopamine response it has for us and that constant dopamine production and then just the complete depletion of our dopamine, how it ties into our neurotransmitters, our brain health is drastic. How we've heard so many kids with ADD, ADHD, how they have so much hypersensitivity and they have this overload, overwhelming stimuli. What are we feeding these kids on a regular basis? I mean, this is one of the biggest conversations I have with parents and it's not anything to take fault in or blame yourself because this is what we're trained in yep this is what we're told is good for us again it goes back to that seemingly healthy unhealthy choices and it's just it breaks my heart how truly these food industries it's just a business and it's not to promote health and we're feeding these kids just straight sugar and we are just we're setting their body on fire and we wonder why kids can't sit down for hours at school we have just basically set on a set off a bomb in their nervous system Mm -hmm. and that is a huge part that I talk about the biggest thing for kids is reduce that sugar because those added sugars are in everything and just to name a few that would be like your aspartame your Splenda there's NutraSweet sucralose do not be deceived by the fact it has the os at the end because when you hear about like sugars you hear like good sugars your body needs glucose fructose sucrose sucralose is not an actual sugar our body knows how to break down it is a chemical made in a lab it is things that are deceiving like that seemingly unhealthy choices healthy healthy, unhealthy choices and so it's those that are in so many things the processed sugars are by far well second to it but they're in everything And for my parents out there, since we're talking about this, like this is something that I had to cover with Kelly when we started dating because she just didn't know, right? This is something I've tried to cover with the other parents and grandparents that are involved um, in our children's lives. Go on Google and look up, take your child's age and look up how much sugar that child is supposed to have on a daily basis. For my children who are in that nine to 11 range, It's like 10 to 15 grams of sugar a day, a glass of apple juice, which you think 
is it's healthy. It's for my kids. It comes from apples. You've ripped all the goddamn fibers out of it and added a bunch of sugar. That eight ounce glass of apple juice has 28 grams of sugar in it. And so that's half the time what you woke up with. Watch any movie. Kelly and I were talking about this the other day. Watch any fucking movie and go to the scene where it's first thing in the morning and they're at breakfast. It's a bowl of cereal next to a glass of orange juice on every single movie that's ever been made ever. I don't know who paid for that, but orange juice going to spike the fuck out of all your insulin levels. Giant hit of sugar with a bowl of cow's milk and sugary cereal. And then parents want to have some guilt about, oh, I'm a bad parent. No, you've been pushed by movies, by marketing, by one of the things that blew my mind when I started studying marketing, walk down the cereal aisle. Eye contact in sales is by far one of the most potent things that you can use. When you walk down that cereal aisle, I want you to look at the boxes of cereal and I want you to look at where their eyes are looking. The eyes on the cereal boxes are looking down. Why? Because they're going to make eye contact with those fucking kids that are walking and they're looking and then bam, they've made contact with Captain Crunch and they see a person there and they grab the box and go, mommy, mommy, and then you don't want to be a dickhead parent. So you buy the Captain Crunch like you are going against a literal arsenal with 50 years of marketing research on how to get you to buy this shit for your family. So don't feel bad. It's in everything. It's marketed. It's pushed in movies. It's pushed on cereal boxes. It's we are literally at war with nutrition. And so just the big thing there, guys, is do not feel any guilt about whatever choices you've been making. It's just about now, if you have this information, start making some slightly different choices. Why is processed sugar number two? It's more because of its inflammatory process. So like we talked about how with processed sugar, it's added sugars, how it can impact our brain hormones. So not just that, then we can go a step further, how it basically stops your cells ability to take in nutrients. So your cells are trying to absorb the nutrients we break down. Sugar can basically block that cell from taking it in. Not just that, it can actually stimulate our inflammatory response. So now we're just creating more well, inflammation, but then we can even go a step further and talk about that insulin spike. So now we're triggering more insulin, and with that, now we can create more blood sugar dysregulation. Now our insulin hormone tells our liver to store more fat, so now we're storing more fat, creating even more stress on our body. I mean, processed sugar is just a cascade of events for any kind of function within our body. Processed sugar isn't even, like when you just said that, Literally, the first word that came to my mind is it is an anti-nutrient. It is. If it blocks the absorption of nutrients, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. So that's why processed sugar is number two on the list. It's an anti-nutrient. Um, and then one for the one for the vegetarians uh mm -hmm. soy yep this one's another one now this kind of goes to like grain products as well because i've had people ask about the nutrients that are in soy same as with grain products i'm not saying there's not nutrients in it i'm talking about how these actual nutrients can influence other 
enzymatic pathways, overall function. And so with soy, it's a phytoestrogen. It can mimic your estrogens. Yep. I have seen this a handful of time when I test my women's hormones, and it's not just looking at your blood on looking at just one of your estrogens. That's a whole other topic with hormones and sadly with the misinformation or no education we have on our hormones itself, especially as females, but looking at a more in-depth look on how our estrogens are being converted, soy has a drastic influence on that. If you're eating soy on a regular basis, you will influence those estrogens. It's actually a contraindication to eat soy if you're on thyroid medication because of what soy can do when it comes to actually producing your thyroid hormones. So when you think of your thyroid hormones, there's two main ingredients. There's tyrosine, which creates the T, and then there's iodine, which is the number. So T4 would be a tyrosine with four iodine bound to it. Soy basically stops your thyroid's ability to actually bind that tyrosine to those iodine. So then you're now you're not even able to produce those hormones. There's actually times where I have patients who are hyperthyroid, so they have overproduction of their thyroid hormones where I'll actually recommend soy milk for a short period of time, but then I'm also making sure that their hormones are not in an imbalanced state, so we're, so we're not going to create even more imbalance. But that's a huge part when it comes to soy with the estrogens and even those thyroid hormones. So if people are using, because, you know, tofu and edamame and soy milk in their coffee um, because they're not doing milk or um, some of the other proteins um, because they're vegetarian. So a lot of people are already using this as their replacement for what they think is bad, negative, etc. So for somebody who's already trying to replace shit and they're using soy, what the fuck do they do? It goes into also a little bit too just with vegetarians it is really hard to get all the nutrients your body really does need on a vegetarian diet i'm not saying you can't there are plenty of people that can get that protein content but now you're gonna have to get even more it's not creative. just about protein it's about so you're gonna be supplementing a lot like you're gonna be on a variety of different supplements which isn't a bad thing there are certain supplements I'll take for the rest of my life because I'm not getting enough from my diet. So I'm going to supplement with a different nutrient to make sure I get that. And so it's going to be more supplement support. And it's especially for sore finding different protein alternatives, which then gets definitely more difficult. Um, I really recommend, and this is again where people don't necessarily like when I say this for particularly vegetarians, meat <laughs> you're behind we're gonna piss off so many so fucking many people, people. <laughs> but it's also too like a huge thing that we don't talk about is organ meats like yeah. you mentioned that with your steak protein with the organ yeah. meats my goodness those are the most nutrient dense foods we can eat mm -hmm. our ancestors we talked about back with our ancestors you had kings and queens would eat organ meats because it was such a high quality food that's essential. Like, we talk about multivitamins. I have so many people ask about multivitamins. Liver glandular. That is the most nutrient-dense food you can eat. And that is huge for supporting your body's nutrient load. I mean, it is jam-packed with B vitamins, iron. You have magnesium. It is just a huge part. And it also supports your liver. If you're sick in an organ system, eat that organ. Now, I get a lot of questions since I just mentioned liver glandulars the quality of those organs. That is a huge part. Like if you're eating a cow's liver that just ate grains and was just pumped full of crap, yeah, that's not gonna be the best organ for you. But if you're eating a grass-fed, grass-finished 
cow that's eating what it's designed to eat, then you're going to get the benefits of that liver. And you're not getting the toxins. A lot of people think that, oh, the liver holds toxins. No, it detoxifies our toxins. It filtrates. Right. The most toxic organ in our bodies are fat. Yeah. Yep. And so those organ meats are essential. And so that's what I recommend people eating and to make sure they're getting those full nutrients. Is there a liver supplement that you would recommend? Yes. I can't stand organ meats. Whoever can eat organ meats, good on you. But we actually make at the Wellness Way our own organ glandulars. And so I always like to make the comment that ours are all made in New Zealand because that's the most strictly regulated um, country when it comes to meat products. And so we get all of our products, like our sheep and our beef organ meats from New Zealand. And then it's as clean as it can come. Okay. And so there's, you could have liver glandular, we have blood sugar glandulars. So now you're getting liver, you're getting pancreas, you're getting kidney, we have an immune glandular, you're getting spleen, you're getting thymus. We have a digestion glandular that has your pieces of your stomach, your small, large intestine. So now you're also getting other organs that are going to help give your organs the nutrients. One of my favorite one is thyroid glandular. So especially patients come in that have no thyroid. That's an essential piece, not only with having that extra support from medication, because you do need those readily available hormones from those medications, but then you have the glandulars to just add even more support. Love it. Hey, y'all. Sorry to have to interrupt the show, but it's time for a quick word from our sponsor, me. <laughs> As some of you may or may not know, I am the president and CEO of Divinity Group LLC, the supplemental insurance agency that pays for this entire show. I recorded this commercial to let you know that I'm looking for high-quality individuals to add to my team in 2023, and I think that quality individual could be, should be, you. Now, why would you want to work with me? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Are you the kind of person who likes flexibility of schedule, uncapped earning potential, weekly bonus cash, quarterly bonus stock, residual income, all expenses paid incentive travel, vested ownership in what you're building, unparalleled culture and community? <sighs> of course you are. And so am I. See, look how much we already have in common. <laughs> all right. So why would you want to learn from me? Also glad you asked. I'll give you five reasons. One, you're already listening to my podcast, so yeah. I've been doing this for five and a half years at a very high level. I'm the number one agent in the state of Montana. I'm one of the Flathead Valley's 20 under 40, and I want to teach you how to take control of your income. All right, look, if what I've said in the past 90 seconds has piqued your interest, then pink the link in the description to watch our recruiting video and reach out for some more info. All right, okay, all right. I'll shut up about what I do and get back to what it is that I do. Let's go! So, guys, one of the most obvious um, signs of, of how we pump our animals, to me, uh, those of you who know me know that I travel all the time, and if you've ever seen, like... Uh, what's that kid show Moana or whatever little Hawaiian girl yeah. and she's got a little chicken friend and that chicken's all like skinny and weird looking. Yeah. When you're on real islands around the world, 
chickens are fucking skinny, dude. They are teeny tiny little birds because they're running around all day long hunting insects and shit. A chicken leg is like the bone with a very small little layer. Of, it's mostly feathers, right? But then you eat a chicken leg out here, and it's fucking like a pound and a half of meat on this little bone. Like, when you see a real wild chicken, that's the biggest shock for me is like, how the fuck did this chicken get so fat, right? Like, that that is not natural, and chicken is probably one of the biggest pieces of the American diet when it comes to meat. Mm-hmm. It scares the shit out of me every time I see a real wild chicken. I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat chicken. Yeah. So that was a bunch of the don'ts on food. Um Cow's milk, gluten, soy, processed sugar, and hydrogenated oils. Those are the big don'ts. Getting into the allergies. So everyone is in some way, shape, or form allergic to those foods just because they're not well processed. Is that what we're saying? Um, more with those foods. Now, some people will actually have an allergic response is when we can tie into like their specific antibodies our body has. I call them flaggers, part of the immune system. Um, but overall, it's going to trigger an immune response. Um, there's one particular antibody we have within our gut, which is called your IgA. And a lot of the times those foods like your gluten, your cow's milk can trigger that part of your immune system. But there's other parts that we can actually do a blood test for that can get more specific to see if those foods are triggering those parts of your immune system or if there's other foods that are triggering those parts of your immune system. Okay, so we would have um, for allergies, genetic allergies and imbalances. What we were just talking about would be imbalances? Yeah. Okay, what are some genetic food allergies? It depends, and that's what we can do with testing. So it all depends on the person. That's where it comes down to we're all completely individualized human beings. And so what stresses my body out isn't what's going to stress your body out. My body's going to respond to different foods differently than yours would. And so with testing, we can actually see if you have a genetic food allergy or if it's actually due to some kind of imbalance. Because that's the, I'd say, the confusing part when it comes to allergies and We can call them whatever you want. We can call them a hypersensitivity, a sensitivity, an allergy, and intolerance. It's truly the same thing. It's a food that's triggering your immune system. And a lot of the times, it's because of some imbalance. And a huge part is because of that intestinal barrier within our gut. When that starts to break down, when we have more damage in that intestinal barrier, that's what can actually lead to food proteins getting into your bloodstream that don't belong. Then your whole part of your immune system is to get rid of things that don't belong. So now we've just triggered an immune response where now we have certain antibodies that will flag that food that will tell other immune cells to come in and basically get rid of that thing that doesn't belong, which then is going to trigger certain cells to remember that food because your immune system wants to be as efficient as it can. So then the next time your body is exposed to that food protein, you're going to have a quicker and more efficient immune response. But now you're basically building inflammation every time. Yep. So you guys say test, don't guess. Yep. Now, with that, something that just hit me, we're talking about the major things that people eat, right? Milk, soy, processed sugar, um, gluten, hydrogenated oils. If somebody came in to get tested and they were, (laughs) I'm sure 60% of their diet's made up of those things, if they get tested and they're eating the diet that we eat here, 
is that going to mess with the tests of seeing what your genetic um, food allergies are? And would you get a cleaner test if you first took your time to cut out cow's milk, gluten, processed sugar? Would you get a better, more accurate test? You could. There's other factors that can play a role, like other stressors in your life, whether it's and in our office, which is actually what chiropractic was founded on, is the three T's. So we just, we've basically been talking about one of them. That's toxins, food we eat, water we drink, the air we breathe, products we use. But the other two are trauma to your spine. So that's huge, whether it's repetitive stress or like a significant trauma you had. Uh, and then the last one is toxins or thoughts. So that's going to be your mental or emotional stress. So there's other factors that can play a role with overall function, but especially with foods, because so many people, like you said, eat that way. Yeah. If you start cutting those foods out, you're going to allow your body to function that much better. I will never say it's going to guarantee you have less food allergies, um, but it's definitely going to help in terms of that overall function and potentially not having as many. Okay. So that's where we would start for pulling stuff out um, further, again, go in, get tested. Um, Wellness Way is a national franchise. Yep. And you guys all do this nutritional. Yep. We've all been trained the same way. Ba- okay. It's just on basic physiology of the human body. And we all use the same labs because those are truly the best labs to look at overall function. Okay. So pull those foods out first or if you need help, go to the wellness way first. Um, and then after you pulled those foods out or whatever, if you're still like, I feel like I'm still getting inflammation. I don't know. Um, again, test, don't guess, go in, uh, meet with somebody, um, and get yourself tested. Now that was the don'ts. Let's talk about do's. Let's talk about some good stuff, uh, to put into your body, which is naturally going to lead us into the gut health topic. So with foods that we should be putting in, what do you recommend? There's a handful of different ones, which really sound, like you said, on creating that overall gut function. Because um, a term I hear a lot of, which I'm not the biggest fan, but leaky gut. And I feel like it's because there's different opinions on it. You have some healthcare practitioners that use it as a diagnosis. They'll say, oh, you're experiencing these symptoms because you have leaky gut. Then you have other healthcare practitioners that are going to say, no, that's a, not a valid diagnosis. I don't agree with either. It's not a diagnosis. It's a symptom. Leaky gut you have because of an imbalance within your gut. And so that goes to the same thing of why we have food allergies. When you're being exposed to inflammatory foods, if you have more toxins, heavy metals, um, medications are harmful on your gut, antibiotics, birth control, that's a whole other topic we can get on how detrimental birth control truly is to our female bodies. But basically that creates more irritation in your gut. So that ultimately triggers your immune system to help protect you as best as it can. That can irritate that gut lining. I use the analogy like pantyhose. Like when you wear your pantyhose, there's still little holes within the pantyhose. So that's like your intestinal barrier. Your intestinal barrier has little holes that allow like fluids, electrolytes, certain nutrients to get through. But it's thick enough where certain things can't get through, like toxins or undigested food proteins. So then when inflammation, it's kind of like if you have a scratch on your thigh and you forget you have the pantyhose, and then you're scratching your leg, and now you rip your pantyhose. Now you have a big gap. That's what inflammation can do to your gut lining. It can scratch or irritate that gut lining, creating bigger tears. So now things that shouldn't get through into your bloodstream can. That's where they say now you have things that can leak into your bloodstream. So that's like with a food allergy. If an undigested 
food protein enters that bloodstream, it does not belong. Your immune system knows that and will get rid of it however it can. Same thing with toxins. Now we have toxins that are getting into our bloodstream that are now circulating throughout our body. If you have overgrowth of bacteria, yeast, that now circulates to other organ systems and can just wreak havoc. That is the true start of that inflammatory process, which again is what all of us healthcare practitioners do agree on. It's basically the start to all health conditions. So how we can help with that intestinal barrier and that environment Two of my all-time favorite nutrients, one is aloe vera juice, by far my favorite plant. Very similar to like when you put aloe vera lotion on your skin after sunburn, similar effects it has on your intestinal lining. That inflammation can create rawness in that intestinal lining, and that aloe vera juice is very soothing. But it's also jam-packed with vitamins and minerals. It's basically with water with vitamins and minerals. And it's also amazing support for helping repair that GI lining, but also supporting how bowel movements can be formed. So sometimes people think aloe vera juice is used only for constipation, because if you have diarrhea, then it's going to just make it worse. It's actually not, because it basically gives your intestines the nutrients it needs to form or loosen those bowel movements. So overall great support is aloe vera juice, then comes apple cider vinegar absolutely of apple cider vinegar. It's one thing I'll use the rest of my life. And the two biggest reasons is because of its acidity for stomach acid. And then the other one is the fact that it has, it's a fermented nutrient. So it's going to help with feeding that good bacteria. Stomach acid is huge. A lot of time we've been told that we have too high stomach acid, farthest thing from the truth. We actually have too low of stomach acid. The whole job of your stomach is to produce adequate amounts of acid to break your foods down, but also to sterilize your foods. Then that stomach acid then basically sets up the rest of your digestive system up for success. Your stomach is what I call your conductor for your digestive system, so we have to have that support. That's that apple cider vinegar. Then we can get more into those fiber-type foods, like you mentioned on your last podcast with those macronutrients. That's where we can talk about soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Fiber basically means it's not being broken down from your stomach and your small intestines, so it goes straight through to your large intestines to feed your good bacteria. That good bacteria is essential for gut function. It is huge for making sure we can neutralize toxins, get rid of any bacteria that tags on with food and water, supports your immune system, it helps break down nutrients to synthesize our vitamins. That good bacteria is the number one key, and fibrous foods can be essential for that. So what are some of your... Uh, recommendations for high fiber foods or fiber supplements or whatever, what have you to have people start increasing uh, that good prebiotic and, and fibrous foods for their gut. So with the two, there's the soluble and insoluble. So soluble, I always say can dissolve in water and why that can be helpful. It can actually expel or get rid of excess fluid. So it can actually help with people who have more diarrhea. It can actually kind of create more of like a gel-like substance to form up that stool. So those kind of foods can be more like your berries. You hear like your blueberries, um, blackberries, you have apples, beans, sweet potatoes can actually be one. One of my favorite soluble fibers is actually chicory root. So you can buy that. It's like a little plant, um, kind of looks like a mini leek. Um, at grocery stores, but you can also get that in a supplement form. So I sell one or the Wellness Way sells one um, at our office and it's my favorite because it feeds a particular short chain fatty acid, which is basically what I call your soil for your good bacteria. It's called your butyrate. 
it is a huge nutrient that is needed for function within your GI, and chicory root is great at feeding that particular short-chain fatty acid. So I really love chicory root. Uh, I use it in a supplement or if I can find it at the grocery store, sometimes they won't have it. I'll just load up on that and just use it in a variety of my vegetable dishes. Yep. Then with the insoluble fibers, so that means it doesn't dissolve in water, which can actually help with people who have more constipation. It basically kind of propels the bowel movements forward. Insoluble fibers are going to be more... Um, there's, you kind of have your like whole grains as one of them. Then you're going to have more of your leafy greens. So that's your leafy greens, your cruciferous veggies. So cauliflower, um, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, those are going to be great insoluble fibers. And those are going to be able to feed both your good bacteria and that soil, those prebiotic foods. So it plays both parts, which is great. So how come, and this is just a random question, how come... It seems like fiber has been marketed as something for old people. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. eat bran because they need the fiber. They take their Metamucil. Like what is it that for some reason it could just be marketing that like old people are the ones that need fiber when fiber is probably one of the most important nutrients for everyone? I think it goes to the marketing because – most of those foods we just talked about, those are whole foods. Yeah. So there's, I mean, not a lot of money in that if you really look at it. And so it's just not talked about. I mean, really, we're now finally talking about the importance of certain nutrients, fat, um, a healthy gut. Like these were things that just were never really talked about. And sadly, then we just continue that mindset of, again, basically that food pyramid that was made back in the early 90s. And that's what still people today still healthcare practitioners recommend for people. It's just that mindset that's just continuing on generation after generation. And I think it's just more we're still holding on to that, either for a marketing tactic or we don't want to talk about overall nutrients because of how truly simple it can be to achieve function and maintain it. Yeah. Um, honestly, that's my thought. Okay. Uh, guys, it's not for old people. <laughs> Eat your fucking fiber, okay? Each fiber... Get your good prebiotics in there. So we got uh, fiber, which is a prebiotic, um, and then there are high probiotic foods that we're going to throw in there as well. What are some of those? Fermented foods. Okay. So my all-time favorite is sauerkraut. Eat sauerkraut every single day. It is going to do wonders for that gut microbiome. You eat sauerkraut every day? Every day. I'm obsessed. So fermented foods, basically what that means for people who don't know what fermentation is, you're basically converting one form into a simpler form. So you're basically taking a carb and you're making it into an acid or an alcohol. And so that's just another process that can feed that bacteria. So apple cider vinegar, it's actually fermentation for your good bacteria. Sauerkraut, kimchi, um, you have kombucha, cacao powder or cacao chocolate is actually great fermentation for your good bacteria. Really? Yeah, but that's not your Hershey's chocolate. Let's be no clear shit. about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so many people are like, oh, I'm eating chocolate. I'm doing a good job. <laughs> no, no, no. It's cacao. Let's get that really. Yeah, got... It's the education. So. I got that cookies and cream Hershey's chocolate, though. Setting yourself up for success. <laughs> it's the cacao. That's actually great at uh, that fermentation process for your good bacteria. So those are the ones I really recommend. Now, as we sit next to a uh, table of whiskey and wine for my uh, people who are listening that are like, beer's fermented, whiskey's fermented, what about fermented alcohol? 
You have to look at the other new, well, ingredients that are in alcohol. It's the ethanol alcohol that's going to put more stress on your body. Basically, that takes precedent over your body breaking down other nutrients. So you drink alcohol, your body's going to put that first, and it's going to use all its energy to break down that and to try to get rid of it versus you actually breaking down nutrients and absorb them. Then it's just more on the actual sugar side with increasing insulin, putting stress on the body. Yes, there's fermentation in it, but overall impact that alcohol has it's stressful yeah I, I tell people all the time it's poison yeah that's why when my friends want to drink and they're like oh yeah let's go get a thing of pbr like this rack of booze over here is very 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 high-end expensive i'm gonna have a little bit of it yeah. um because i just there's no way around saying that it's fucking poison yeah. right like <laughs> you can't get around that no, yep. <laughs> like no. you're literally drinking poison uh it's awesome makes you feel good tastes good whatever but uh that's not the kind of fermentation we're talking about here folks uh we're talking about foods i love kimchi um i'm not eating sauerkraut or kimchi i've got kimchi in my fridge right now every day but maybe I will. Um, what about taking a probiotic versus eating probiotic foods? I always recommend food first. I would rather have people focus on getting their nutrients from food. And I do think if you're eating those fermented foods and those prebiotic foods on a regular basis, you will help support your microbiome. Um, but if you're not, that is where supplements come in handy to supplement what you're lacking in with your nutrition. And so we probiotics can be great. There are times that I actually do recommend people not have probiotics or even eat these fermented foods for a short period of time. And that's just because of what's going on in their gut. That's why I always say, I don't guess, I test, mm -hmm. because there are different imbalances. That goes back to that individualized care plan. Ultimately, those with these foods, you really can't go wrong with them. But yeah, you can definitely supplement with a probiotic. But if you're going to go that route, I always recommend let's make sure what's going on with that good bacteria before we start supplementing with like a higher potency of that good bacteria. Okay. And since we're on like fibrous foods, um, fermented foods, we're kind of in that like veggie category right now. Um, you know, one of the big things about fruit, you know, people are like, oh, I, I drink apple juice. Um cut the apple juice, eat the apple because the fiber is going to slow down that insulin spike that you're going to get from the sugar. Um, but the big thing I want to talk about isn't so much the, the juice and let's talk, let's touch on that real quick, actually, before I get into the next piece, what about juicing? Oh, that's great. Really? Yeah. Well, because a lot of juices, you're still getting those added sugars potentially they'll use a lot of sugars more as a preservative so if you're juicing you're taking your own then there's also the fact that you're getting your own organic fruit and now you're juicing that you're still getting the benefits of those nutrients okay now the big thing is if you are juicing if you are eating vegetables it blows my mind especially montana boys on their like i'm steak and potatoes <laughs> like fuck bro <laughs> you eat a vegetable but for those of you who are high in uh vegetables um especially vegetarians any of that stuff i can't stress this enough wash your fucking food bro even if it's organic first of all you don't know how many hands touch that on the way to your mouth two when we talk about organic foods non-pesticide, non-this, non, 
most pesticides are sprayed out of planes and they're teeny tiny little microscopic pesticides you think that the wind isn't going to catch that shit and make move it over to the organic farm that's right down the fucking road like <laughs> it's on everything it's in everything so wash your food you can buy um you know vegetable washes from the store or you can just put some uh what's the word that i'm looking for the powder uh i just use vinegar Vinegar. Yeah. Okay. I'll do vinegar and water and I'll let it sit for a little bit. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the powder. You put it in your fridge. It takes the scent away from shit. I don't know. There's a powder. Vinegar. Yeah. Wash your fruit. Wash your vegetables. Fucking get that shit clean. Um, because you could be taking in mass amounts of you know pesticides, which will then obviously mess with your hormones and... Yeah, that's a whole nother. And then bacteria. That's like the biggest thing. Because, I mean, yes, we do have – there's going to be some potential of pesticides. We really can't get around of it, around it nowadays, which is really sad. So organic isn't 100% organic, but it's still better than the just direct spray of the pesticides. But the b bacteria is huge. we got to wash that off because especially if we're not working on strengthening our stomach acid or if that stomach acid is low, your body's not going to sterilize that food properly. And now that bacteria that tagged on with that food is now going to travel into your bacteria and create more of an imbalance. And the funny part, it, when you actually start like learning about this stuff, you realize that you are literally a giant walking petri dish of bacteria that's all you are yep you're a bunch of fucking little germs and bacterias and shit all eating each other and like you're not a blob of muscle like you're a bunch of different little bacterias all fucking again at war with each other right so do you want to put in good bacteria and help that or are you putting in bad bacteria non-washed bacteria and causing all these these different problems but you are a walking plume of bacteria yep so anything else that you want to dig into with gut health? I think the biggest thing is these are great foods to start with. There's always a great starting place for talking about health, but I'll always say at the end of the day, get tested, get properly tested. That's how we know where you're functioning at. I think the biggest thing we talk about more within our healthcare system is when you have symptoms, then go get checked out. Just because you don't have symptoms doesn't mean your body's healthy. Your body's genetically designed to function, and it's going to try to keep you functioning as best as it can. But especially when it comes to inflammation, that inflammation can remain undetected for years and years. And finally, it gets to a point where your body can't keep up with that stress, and then it lets you know. And so making sure we cannot get you to that point is how we actually look at function we got to get you tested to see how your body's functioning can you actually break your foods down can you absorb them officially what's your immune system like do you have that imbalance of bacteria do you have an imbalance with yeast do you have parasites hanging out do you have certain toxins within your gut that's going to actually put more stress on other organ systems it's that testing that allows us to see truly what's going to be the best nutrients for you in your healing journey and then also with that maintenance phase Love it. Think of it like Jenga, guys, when, when we're thinking about um, the inflammation process. Like she said, it could be years and years and years and years and years, right? So you're putting in bullshit, food, sugar, this. You think you're fine. Let's pull a block out of the Jenga. Let's pull a block out of the Jenga. And you just keep pulling these fucking blocks out. 
eventually one of these days that Jenga tower is going to fucking crumple and just like anything else in our fucking healthcare industry that's when all of a sudden we're like oh my god i need a doctor i need help i need every dude the building's already encased in flames like the fire department's not really going to be able to do anything they're going to put the fire out but the building's fucked mm-hmm. right like if you guys just go and find some shit out, yeah, it's going to be a long, hard journey for sure, especially what we're working against in this country. But you need to stop pulling those fucking Jenga blocks out and start putting Jenga blocks in to keep that fucking thing steady. Because if that thing topples, the work that Mackenzie or your doctor or your, I would say physician, but they're probably just going to prescribe you something, the work that they have to do with you now is so far gone that like you're going to feel like the mountain that you have to climb is insurmountable, mm-hmm. right? Wherever you are right now, if you don't feel like your building's on fire, it's probably going to be a couple of, I don't want to say easy, but a couple of steps that you got to take as opposed to changing your entire life. Oh, yeah. I mean, it truly is an investment. You focus on it now. You're going to get to a point where... Again, when everything falls apart, it's going to take you a whole lot more time and a whole lot more money to get your body back to function. Mm -hmm. And why not just figure out what's going on now so we can do the best to live a life without any pain or interference. And it's possible. And sadly, we just don't talk about that enough within our healthcare system. There's hope. You're not stuck with this feeling. It breaks my heart truly when I have people come to my office bawling because they've been told time and time again, their labs are normal. They're fine. It's all on their head. Yet they feel like absolute crap and they can't function. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be like that. Your body can function. Like you said, it takes work, but my goodness, is it worth it to live a life without pain or interference, live your life to the fullest. It's what we should be thriving for. Mm-hmm. So you say, Test, don't guess. Now, for at least the Flathead Valley, the Wellness Way, Flathead Valley, um, if you go in and see Dr. McKenzie and you mention uh, that you were listening to the Healthy Wealthy People podcast, uh, you are going to get um, an like an 80% discount on your first visit. Um, it's going to be a $99 um, visit to go in and just do this initial, hey, here I am, help me out. And then if you guys want to run labs, which I'm sure is going to be brought up because it's the only way to figure out um, what is actually going on, you're not charging an upcharge on labs, right? Correct. So massive deal, guys, like 80 plus percent off to go in on your first visit and then no upcharge on labs to literally figure out what is actually going on with YOU as opposed to what we just talked about, which is just some general stuff, right? Um, So start with the general stuff, but if you really are uh, interested in figuring out, like, again, maybe you have been to four or five doctors and they just keep telling you you're fine and you're like, there's got to be an answer, go in, get uh, your initial visit for $99, go get some labs, and then figure out what's going on. And this is... (laughs) This is the part that blows me away with most human beings. When you get the results and the fucking to-do list, do it. (laughs) Yes. You motherfuckers, so many of the people that I work with in any aspect of my life, we finally get the answer. We finally get the like, oh, here it is. And then you just go back to what the fuck you were doing before. 
do not sit around and bitch and complain to your friends, your family, me, Mackenzie, anyone, if you get the answers and then completely fucking ignore them. That's my piece. God damn it, that is the most irritating thing to me. Like you have all these complaints and then we give you the answer and you're like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> but it's your choice. I mean, hey, if you get to take control of your health, it's not my job. My job is to help guide you. You get to choose whether you want to live a life of function or live a life of symptoms and chronic disease. Mm -hmm. So I am going to put a bunch of stuff in the uh, show notes, guys. Uh, it was the, I didn't get the second part of this. Ancient what? Ancient Nutrition. Okay, so Ancient Nutrition, um, Sammy's Bakery, uh, Sieta Tortillas, um, Cat Catalina Cereal? Catalina Cereal, yep. Okay, um, the organ supplements, all that stuff. I'm going to link a bunch of the stuff um, in the show notes. I am also going to link uh, Mackenzie's contact information. I'm going to link the Wellness Way uh, Flathead Valley and their information. I'm going to put the deal, um, in the show notes for you guys to go in and say, Hey, I was a listener. Um, any last thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? One step at a time, take what we said today and just start with one piece, find that alternative and slowly, but surely it is a journey. It mm -hmm. is not a race. Take your time with it. You will have success and you will create healthy habits. Love it. And then the last question that I've started uh, asking at the end of the show, what does living a healthy, wealthy lifestyle mean to you? To me, it means that I get to live my life, like I've said before, pain-free, no interference, but also, also mentally too, living that wealthy life i think can mean a variety of different things and that's just with the wealth of knowledge um who you bring within your community how they bring you up just surround yourself by people that always bring you up and that you can always share your wealth with no matter what kind of knowledge that is and staying healthy means you get a function and live your life to the fullest mm. perfect answer guys there's a reason that it's the healthy wealthy people podcast not the wealthy, healthy people podcast, right? If you have your health, you've got the number one source of wealth, then you can take that and go build whatever actual wealth you want. So love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I guys, I've been a nutrition nerd 12 years and I learned a shitload today. So if you didn't take something away, that's on you. Thank you so much for coming and being Thank on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Yes. And I hope some of you go and see Mackenzie to start figuring out some of your nutritional issues. Love you guys. And I will see you right back here in two weeks for another episode of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. All right, y'all. We have reached the inevitable end of today's episode, but before we go our separate ways, I just want to take a quick minute to say fucking thank you. Thank you for investing your listening time with me when there are literally millions of other artists whose content you could be consuming. Your support and feedback mean more to me than you will ever realize, which is why I'm going to ask you for one favor before we wrap this thing up. Please, if you have found any value in the show at all, there are three things you can do to help us grow. One. Follow and or subscribe so you never miss another episode. Two, rate the show so other listeners can see just how goddamn good our content is. And three, 
take a screenshot of this episode, share it with your followers, and tag me at John Divine Inc. so that they have the same opportunities and access to information that you do. Now, get out there and enjoy the pursuit of the healthiest, wealthiest, most authentic version of yourself, and I'll see you right back here in two weeks for another episode of the Healthy Wealthy People Podcast. Peace!